1: All right, guys, we are back for another week of Sports Insider Radio. It is Wednesday, August 11th, and I am here with yours truly, Micah Smith, the legend next door. For all you listeners, you just go head over to my YouTube channel, YouTube. YouTube the Syndicate Insider, YouTube.com forward slash The Syndicate Insider. I just posted a video from Poolside at Micah's uh, house talking about Micah's Mentorship Program. I'm going to retitle it Michael and Micah's Mentorship Program. Michael, how's the weather up there in Baltimore? Are you holding it down for us?
2: It's uh, it's pretty muggy today. I mean, we're going to get some thunderstorms here in the afternoon. Um, But, you know, I'm not here for the weather forecast, uh, as some of our fans and, you know, as they, they enjoy to hear my, basically the golf journal. And in the golf journal today, Started off, I thought, listen, I have no stress today. I woke up, had a good night's sleep. All the things were leading, even from the range, to a phenomenal day. And Mike, Micah knows when I say these numbers. I shot a 38 on the front, was playing lights out, par golf, had a birdie, just had a couple uh, bogeys, thinking I have it together. It's going to be my first round in the 70s. Nope. Shot a 46 nope. on the back for a 84. So yeah, it was there. I thought I had it. I thought I figured it out. But you know what? It was a couple mistakes here and there and, and just not taking my medicine and, and getting a couple doubles in a row. So still overall, good day. We had a match against two single-digit handicaps, and we ended up beating them. Oh, wow. So that was exciting. So, you know, it right. could be a lot worse. But you know, at the end of the day, it was it was still a good, nice uh, seven a.m. wake up call to to get uh, to hit the ball long and far. I'm sorry. You got Sorry, I thought I got cut where'd off. For lo- a second, but um, are you good? Where'd you lose strokes on the back? So it, it all started off with. The no, you know, surprisingly, no. It was, I, on the first hole, I, I three-putted a par three on number 10. So, that got me in a funk because I was like, man, that's an easy par. And I ended up, I hit the green and three-putted. And then after that, oh, yeah. just had a, just, I overshot a green on my approach. Um, and then I just had a couple, and I had one out of bounds. And, but between that, it was just three doubles in a row that I just, yeah. I couldn't break the habit but you know it that's part of it I ended up uh putting it together for the last three holes where I was just only one over so at the end of the day listen 13 over I'm an 11 handicap I'm playing within my reach of what I'm playing at my level right now and I think if I just tighten some things up uh I should definitely be you know low 80s and maybe even break into the 70s every now and then
1: well, here's the good news. I got the hack of all hacks. We got the direct private jet that takes us back and forth from Baltimore to Micah's location down here in the south. Now that I know how easy it is, he can just fly up and play golf. With I hear, you can just John, John, I hear an
2: echo there. when you're talking. Oh, interesting. I don't know where you are, but I, I, I hear a little um, echo. I'm at I'm, I'm a, uh,
1: uh, how about now, better?
2: Yeah, much better. Okay, I was I
1: was standing next to Mike, and we're both on separate phones. I'm going to actually walk away from him. So, yeah, like the bottom line is, you know, it's very easy to get down here. If you guys want to do some high-stakes golf betting, there's no problem. I didn't realize how easy it is to get down here. Mike literally has zero excuse not to play golf with you now because there's a little regional airline. It's like having your own private jet back and forth. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to being the uh, caddy, uh, watching you guys go head-to-head 100 a hole.
3: <laughs> we're gonna do a promise. We'll do it soon. Give me a couple months. I got to sharpen my
2: game up a little bit and do some practice. We'll we'll make it happen. Listen, man, it's it's football season. It's on the horizon. I don't know if you should make that, uh, you know, make that promise of two months. It might be next spring is when I we're know, actually going to play.
3: It might be. Yeah, you just can never tell. About
2: to get really busy. So let's. You guys, uh, let's you guys just flew out to. Uh, well, I, would, I wanted right. to ask Mike a question, then we can jump into it. So you guys just came back from Vegas. I know you flew out there and met some groups. Um, very excited about the future. Very excited about what's to come. Um, I've had a lot of commentary from clients that are actually not clients yet, because I do send out the radio show, and surprisingly, of late, and in the past, it was, you know, a lot of people heard the rerun, but I've had a lot of clients that are very interested and always giving me good feedback that we're very, very transparent on the show. And it's very interesting, the dynamic and the perception that we give of the sports trading market, which in a sense is completely different than the old philosophy of take this game, this game can't lose. It's a lock, all that crap that, you know, that that the old school handicappers just feed and and put into – Fruition, and they just just put it into the universe that there is such a thing as a not a game that simply will not lose. So, knowing that what we know, and knowing the only way you could beat the markets is to find edges and play high volume. Do you? I, I know you don't personally talk to a lot of clients. I know you do through through Instagram. Do you think it's easier of late, Micah? That we're getting more clients that are in it for the business sense versus clients that are in it to show me if you win tonight, I'll, I'll subscribe? Do you think it's different of late?
3: Uh, as far as the clients, it's hard for me. I mean, that's more on your end, but I do think that if you're in a legal state, you have such a huge advantage versus, you know, because there's so many out. The betting out that you can do. There's so many different lines on every game. Every book is taking their own stance. So you have a plethora of opportunities sitting right in front of you. The only problem is, is how do you approach it? How do you figure out, okay, what do I need to do with this information? You know, you need somebody like David to give you a jump start. And like I was telling John on the YouTube uh, episode earlier, that if I had access to a mentorship telling me exactly how to edge bet, people don't understand now, because but that is just a huge start over everybody else in the entire world. Um, and, and versus just, they will tell everybody, nobody gets rich on betting opinions. They get rich on market edges, playing the market, and that's what anybody in the legal state has access to that right in front of them. Now, if you got one book, I understand that's a little bit different. You know, Beating Closing Line Value is where it's at on that situation. But if you're in a legal state, you need to be calling Mike and John and getting set up and learn how the mentorship works because you're going to get a humongous head start over anybody else in the entire world. What Dave teaches, nobody, none of the pro betters will teach it because that's their age. They don't want to give it away, but Dave is willing to. Well, and and I like mean, it's, said, it's Mike. A... I know. And Sorry, Mike, John.
1: And, and like, no, no. I'm saying we're at a restaurant. I just walked away. Mike can sit down and eat while I answer this question. Is that because uh, we, we're global, not local? We can be at the we can be at the taqueria, We can be at Margaritaville. We can be having martinis and margaritas while we're on the radio because that's one of the advantages of being a professional sports better. You don't have to be locked into an office. So you asked me where you're at. You heard an echo. We are at a Mexican restaurant,
2: and uh, we got our very nice. What's what's on the menu? What are you eating? Uh, uh, Michael will tell you what I ordered. Michael, what did I order?
1: He ordered nothing. <laughs> Uh, I'm not surprised. He he ordered ordered you, already knew that. You, you already knew that was coming. But I will tell you, I did have breakfast at Waffle House. I make it a thing that when I'm down in the south, I always go to Waffle House because they don't have Waffle Houses in Baltimore. And I got my – I had my two eggs over easy, my bacon, my hash browns, my waffle, and my buttered toast. And I was like a rolling carb donut out Boom, the baby. building. And uh, like Micah said, he never even walks into there. It just goes to show you where you live is where you live. We went to a restaurant the other night. They offered us uh, fresh Maryland crab from Louisiana. We just started laughing. But I'm going to tell you. What what, did you say? Remember, she said they had Maryland uh, crab meat on top of the steak. We were laughing. Oh, yeah, yeah. They
3: sure did. We know in Maryland that
1: there's no crab from Maryland now. It's all from Louisiana. But – you know, Mike, we just did that video. It's a 15-minute video. And like I tell people is that, you know, uh, Dave is like a human bot. For all you guys listening, you have a line in the sand. You have the bots, which is PPH. For what people know what that means, they know what that means. I don't have to give the specifics. And then you have the legal places, Vegas, Colorado, 30-plus states. And I want to talk a little bit of politics because we're down here in the south. Let me. What, what did you tell me? You told me that... um. You think that it's going to possibly be legal in the state of Georgia?
3: I think. Well, there, there's a big push. We have to vote for a governor in November. The Democratic governor is pushing hard that, for legalized sports betting and casinos too. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there's a that's lot of Toronto family the members House and, Senate and all that. Right. So uh, you were telling me there's know. a lot of
1: drama members, uh, a lot of drama amongst the uh, Republican family members. If you happen to be a sports yeah. better and you're Republican, you don't know what to
3: do, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's tough. It's like I was telling them, yeah. maybe just do what we can. Let's get this bill through, then go back Republican, you know? Exactly. But
1: then you have the other issue, which is a lot of people say, you know, legalized sports betting is the holy grail. But you know, let's take a let's take a look at uh, you know the situation that Mike and I have. You know, I live in Baltimore, Maryland. Mike lives in Baltimore, Maryland, and I still have to drive thirty minutes to the casino. Where other not, places go. Uh, where you'll, are not to by half next half year,
2: not yeah, by I next year, it. we'll be good to go.
1: Now let's talk about key numbers, Mike. Tomorrow night, you know, I got the text from the ex-wife while I was in Georgia, and she said, "You know what?" She said, "He." Re- I asked her before I got on the plane. Does he want to go to the game on Thursday? She said no. Then, of course, when I land, she goes, yes. So, of course, I'm going to land tonight, pick my son up tomorrow at six, take him to see the Tennessee Titans to see if they can go for their 21st win in a row. I told everybody on the YouTube channel, you put it out at two and a half. I think the line is five now?
2: No, it's three and a half right now. Oh, it's three and a half. It was five earlier in the week. It came
1: back down. Are you going to be right. attending that game as well? I know you're going to that nine eleven game.
2: Not a shot. You won't catch me at a not preseason a... game. Well, you won't catch me at a preseason I'll bet it, but I'm not going to actually reason. be. No, it's, it's too boring for me. I mean, with me, I'm such a competitor that, like, if I'm watching something where you're not going to get the – yeah, they want to win, but you don't know the players and the coaches don't really – they're not really – coaching a game script like they do in the regular season or the postseason, you're just getting so many guys that are off the street that are just playing for their their lives. I mean, a lot of the guys won't make the team that are going to be playing in the first game. This is before any cuts. So you're talking about guys that are going to get playing time that most likely won't make the team. And there's always a couple rising stars. So I am intrigued usually in the first quarter personally but, you know, it's, it's an auto bet. We, we all talk about it. You know, the Ravens are an auto bet in the preseason. We've been doing this for years. It's not a secret. We don't have, a, you know, a crystal ball that we got the We did get the best line, but that's why it was released on August 4th. I mean, sorry, on, um, it was released around, like, July 4th. It's been out for a really long time that we've had this actual selection made and anything under 3 in the preseason is a a big number because you see these games very very close usually and and teams at the end you know you're you're having guys that really don't have any cohesion that are out there so the 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 script and the playbook is very reduced just because obviously one they don't they haven't had enough time to put in enough plays and then you're having the backups of the backups of the backups playing. So it's uh, I like it at home. I'll take the Ravens anywhere in the preseason, so I don't see many starters playing, just because from what I've been seeing in the last couple of years in the preseason, we've had the Ravens themselves, speaking from just the Ravens, have had very horrible injuries last year during preseason and training camp. So I think they're going to be very hesitant to play anybody substantial in these games to make sure that we come out, you know, and have a healthy roster week one. But for your son, I think it's a great opportunity. It's to him. It's a lot of fanfare. There's a lot of, you know, it's, it's very laid back. I'm sure it's not going to be packed. So you'll be able to get in and out of the stadium. You're not going to be packed.
1: What do you think? What do you think? Seats on the fifty yard line cost to a preseason game. When my ex texted me, she said, You wanna buy them from there? Well, that's sure, no problem.
2: Yeah. well that's 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 different because the the actual take a
1: guess. What do you think they cost? Preseason game means nothing. What do you think each ticket costs?
2: But it doesn't matter because the season ticket holders have to still buy the preseason. So it doesn't matter that it's a preseason game. They're liable to buy it, so they're only gonna be able to sell it for more obviously if they wanna make any money or actually just, you know, just get rid of them if they're not going to go. So they're they're still cost money no matter what. They're liable to buy the PSL owner. So, I mean, if you want a, a random number, 50-yard line, hmm. 350. You were close, 250. 250 a ticket. Okay. So a nickel to a lot.
1: meaningless game to see if they can win 21 in a row. <laughs>
2: it's not meaningless to us.
1: I get it, but it doesn't mean anything in regular season. And I was going to ask you, Micah. I saw it while we were down here. Um, while I was at your office. The new standings came out once again, Alabama number one. So I know you guys were in, were in college football religion country. Uh, right. You know, I'm getting tired of seeing Alabama every single year. I mean, we know from a betting point of view they're going to have overinflated lines. That's a team Dave will probably be fading a lot at post. Um, but, I mean, just as a fan, because I see most of the gear you wear is college football gear or NFL gear. Like, just from a fanfare point of view, like, isn't it boring to know you live in an area where you just know Alabama's going to kick everybody's butt?
3: It is, Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. It, it gets boring. It gets it's tiresome. Even though we won it all last year, it just still feels like it's, it's Alabama's year again. You know, it's, it's, so that's the talk around here. It's, there's a lot and of Alabama into, fan base where we are, too?
1: Do you buy into Allen's uh, position that it's all about the coach and once he's gone, then Alabama will drop out? It's all about hey, Saban. You know, Allen Alan's, Alan's, uh, was on the radio a couple of weeks oh, ago, yeah. and he was yeah. uh-huh. he's talking about it's just about Nick Saban. It's about Nick Saban. It's not really that's it. As long as Nick Saban is going to get all the number one recruits.
3: Uh, I, well, yeah, exactly. What's about how good can that coach recruit, and he, obviously he is an amazing recruiter, and so is Kirby. So it's, when they're when these guys recruit and these players become sophomores and juniors and seniors, I mean that's when it, your team really shines. That's what happened to us last year. So yeah, I mean, as long as he's there, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough because that has a, Alabama has a, a strong
2: tradition of winning, and people want to go there, right? And you heard last year they said that. Uh, Nick Saban came out like a week ago and said last year was basically a rebuilding year. Can you believe I that? I think he's just messing uh, around. No
3: way. No way. I, mean, I don't know. I think he's just. It he has to be messing Did around. They
0: never They're, have rebuilding
2: that's years in Alabama. Every they year is a <laughs> refill. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Every five no, star recruit ever. just goes, and then you know their I mean, freshmen they are which star, yeah. start on most teams. That that's are back what on. I'm
3: saying. There's five star recruits sitting on the bench. So, it's, yeah, you're exactly right. They would beat most of any other school in the United States. So, that's you're right. Now, well, you would you, also I know this is
2: – go ahead. What I was saying, like, do you think – and I, this question always comes up, and I just kind of want to hear a perspective from a, a huge college football fan. Do you believe a top college school, like Alabama, one of their best years ever, even maybe even the Bulldogs – Georgia last year. Could they ever even compete with an NFL team? The worst of the worst NFL team?
3: No, I don't. I don't. I don't yeah, think so. I'm because I'm with you, you on have that.
2: All star yep. players that are
3: on you taking every school in college in the United States. They're all five star recruits.
2: I mean, no, I, I think I think that's insane to even think that they could compete. That's just my opinion. What about the Miami team back from two thousand and one? That was a good one, right? Yeah, How's it going, right? I don't see yeah. it, man. I don't see it. I just don't see it. How they right. They're them. young. But they're not as strong yet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just takes time to develop, especially in fantasy. It's just a different especially game too, in football. Yep. It's a different game. Can't, the, 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 the total points
3: are lower. Defense is better. It's just a different game. Everybody's fast. Yep. Everybody's fast. You got defensive ends. A quarterback, a college quarterback probably won't. He'd be running for his life the entire time.
2: Well, that's why they always say, like, you know, with these receivers transition from – not many receivers transition from college to NFL and become all-stars in their first year. They always say, for at least for fantasy purposes, year two and year three is where you're going to get a lot of growth in a wide receiver, and that's where they really hit their – they start hitting their peaks. Very rare do you see a Justin Jefferson come in and is just ultimately – right out the gate, that good. Because, you know, in college, no matter how good your stats are, you might see one corner a season that potentially is an NFL starter. That's the best player you're playing against. But in the NFL, every week, especially if you're a number one and you're drafted as a number one or potentially even at a two, you're getting the top guy every week. I mean, it's very hard to be able to – to, to be able to succeed knowing that you're getting covered by the best player you've ever played against every single week.
3: And I think in, in NFL, too, you know, that, that's a full-time job. So they have, like, study hours. They're in the room studying. Their, the wide are studying their defensive backs. you know, who they're going up against. So I think that's a, a big factor in it all, too, in college. You know, they're living college life, got to go to class. They don't have as much study time
2: as NFL players do. So, what do you think? You know, especially because we're we're going to be with the mentorship, and I know John touched on it briefly. Um, when well, we're going to be looking at it from a standpoint, even if you're not on the level of having an account where you have a PPH account, or even if you're in, a, in an opinion where you're in a state where you only have one account. What opportunities do these guys still have? Obviously, they're limited because of the speed and the delivery. Because obviously, without the speed, you're going to miss some of the key numbers that are going to pop up across the board. Even for a guy that's just starting out, maybe doesn't have the extreme confidence that this something could work for him. Obviously, if he joins our mentorship, where we actually show you when to bet how much to bet, where you're basically in, still getting the coaching, but you're also not doing it where it's the day of, where you're only playing the day of. You're locking up the markets on Tuesday and Wednesday for college. And for for NFL, like Dave said in previous weeks, Micah, he's going to be doing a lot of post-betting for the NFL because he's going to wait till the public market sways the lines, I mean, there's gotta be a lot of opportunities out there for a lot of for these guys that are new into this industry that could still make a lot more money than crypto, a lot more money than stock trading. Because we believe that we have a viable business plan that is it's susceptible to, you know, not have long term losses like these other guys that just are hammering, you know, fifty percent of their bankroll in every game, telling you they can't lose. We have a way to to beat the odds long-term with, with volume.
3: Right. And I, I was telling John earlier, if I would have known what I know now when I was in college losing tens of thousands of dollars and not having a single job, I mean, I'd, I'd be worth multi-million. But if I would have had David's teaching of knowing what half points are worth off key numbers, what percent, where's, where's the break-even price to a, a book versus... What the book is offering me, and knowing, okay, I need a five percent edge or four and a half percent edge here to make it worth a bet, and being able to get hundreds and hundreds of bets like that each and every week at four and a half percent, nine percent edges. That's, I mean, it's like it's printing money in the long run you're just money. constantly like, on
1: the, like, right. But like what we said on the video was, you can have all those edges and
3: still run bad and have a weekend where oh, yeah. takes you you hundred. 100- a hundred percent, but volume will overcome variance if you got uh, enough edges, a big enough.
1: Which is ad, if you have. A, right, which is ironic. Which is ironic. And if which is ironic because everybody that calls Mike is complains that it's too many games. So here's the thing yeah, that actually I mean, makes you the most money with the least aggravation is the high volume. Everybody's looking for the game of the year, but again, back to when you were in college. Sorry, as I'm separated from you. I'm near the traffic. Is is the when you. You know, the whole marketing of handicapping traditionally is: I have the Monday night big game. I have the Sunday night big game. I have the Thursday night big game. Everybody wants the big game. They can pound. So, they, you know, a lot of people, even though it's like, you know, I always used to claim, I used to basically say when Brian was on the, you know, alive, I, I always used to say, people want confirmation of their own bad opinion. They don't really want to win. And the reality is that. Winning is more scientific. I flew in 2011 over to meet a client in London, England, and he said in his college class, and this is interesting, Micah, they, they teach a mathematics course on sports trading, which is our English way of saying edge betting. So like, that part have the right. mathematics program at some of these schools, and because gambling has been legal for hundreds of years in England, is they, they're teaching you about edges, at what points are worth and money lines. And they're literally teaching you like you would go learn an algebra crap. Because that, look, we all took algebra in class. We all took calculus. If we went to higher education, we don't use any of that. Nobody taught us what a half a point was worth. <laughs> you know, that is correct. Yeah, yep. you're right. And, I, and it's just math. I mean, now that I know, it's like literally, and it, so for the listener that's listening, when you watch that YouTube video, um that we I just posted says Micah's mentorship is that it's almost like taking that math class that the, the math teacher never actually gave you. Because like we covered in the in the in the uh video, Micah's not watching games anymore. Micah was uh, I was never really a fan. Mike's always been a fan. It's funny, I've been in this business longer than both of you guys, but I I got into it so young that I never had an opportunity to be a fan. I was almost jilted and tainted right out of the gate. So it was like Fourteen years old, answering the phone as a clerk, seeing that all that mattered was numbers put up on the board, old school with a chalk, you know, with a piece of chalk. I never really thought anything about watching games and being a fan. People still to this day ask me, "Who do you like? Who do you like?" Yeah, I like the Ravens for my son, but yeah, if I didn't have, if it wasn't for that, I could care less. It's just math, and I think at the core nature for the listener. There's people right now that are going to listen to this video, li- listen to this radio show live archived online at sportsinsiderradio.com or on Spotify, The John and Mike Show. And at the same time that they're listening to this, they will have their crypto account up with a trading chart, with all their altcoins and all their crazy stuff. They will have a stock trading account up with their charts, their one-minute charts, their five-minute charts, their hourly charts, their weekly charts. They will be looking at support and resistance line and Fibonacci sequences and all kinds of trading jargons and numbers. That same person will just go to ESPN, look at the who he thinks he's going to like, and then bet it when the markets are closed. Instead of realizing it's just another market. And that's the value of that Spencer video we were talking about, almost 400,000 views later, is that if you look at what Dave does as a purist, there's an absence of emotion. It's strictly a business. It's still being mathematically inclined. And look, I'm not going to say it's easy to understand. Here I am in it. And it still has to be explained to me over and over and over again, because a lot of times people that know things the most are not actually good teachers. I would say Dave in, in the, in the beginning of our relationship, when we first met him, Micah, like you know, it was just like, he was making the assumption that we were crazy for not knowing what he knows. But what do you mean? You don't know what a half points yeah, worth? What right. do you mean? You don't know. Like yeah. I'm, you've been in this business 20 years longer than me. I'm a, yeah, I'm not a mathematician. What do you want me to do? Like, you need to explain it to me like I'm a child. And it was just this assumption that just because you're a quote-unquote a sharp, that you should know all this. But as computers have gotten more uh, powerful, and you got to remember, like I said, when I started this, there wasn't even a Don Best screen. It was just the newspaper. And Now you have multiple screens, and you have competitors coming to light. And like we talked about, Micah, in the office, you know, we brought up the DB screen. That's 500 bucks a month. That's a 6000 dollars year investment. And what did I show you? I showed you that if I ran a report of every Steam play for any long period of time over a day, I pretty much net out to a 50-50 win-loss. So when you get that alert for all you listeners that have your Don Best screen and you feel very powerful when you hear Steam play, and then you go and you hit a report for 30 days, It's 51 and 50, it's 48 and 50, it's 75 and 76, it's 46 and and 47. I mean, isn't it crazy, Micah, that even with that technology, when you can look at the alerts coming across the wire in the end, even if you chase all that steam, not understanding mathematics, the win-loss ratio is basically 50%, which means you're losing the juice.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, you're you're right. What what kind of baffling, me. I mean, you get streaked, where you'll see uh, 10 winners in a row followed by 10 losers in a row. How are you going to know when to hop on and hop off? Um, A funny story that everybody can appreciate um, is when my son was young, we're talking like six-month-old, a year old, um, he would, like, he'd put him down for a nap in the afternoon. He'd, like, start raging and crying in the middle of his nap. And I never, like, understood. It was always about a certain amount of time when I got to the office and my home office and I turned on my screens. And what I realized, Michael, was is that this alert, the, the, the voice that says Steam Play, would wake him up out of his nap. So once I learned how to mute the sign, because you told me you turned the computer off because the alerts get on you, there's a way to uh, uh, mute the alerts. So can you imagine you're a little kid and all you hear right. is your dad's voice and Steam Play, Steam Play, key move alert, Steam right. Play, key move alert. It's insane. And And what... But I think a lot of those screens do. And, again, I'm not, I am not—I love the screens. I'm not saying anything negative about them is that if you're a, if you're an end user that doesn't have the mentorship program and you go and you spend $500 a month to get the real screen, not the $99 screen, and you're sitting there and you feel all-powerful and all-encompassing like you're now going to beat the market, I think it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Don't you agree, Micah?
3: Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. They run you out of the restaurant and you're walking away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, jump in the truck and drive.
1: Of, yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Like you know, basically, the uh, you feel like you're powerful because you hear and, and and Mike hears it in the office. He always tells me, "Turn it down, turn it down," because it can be irritating. Because on a Saturday and Sunday, you get 400 alerts in an hour.
3: Exactly.
1: You know, and I used to try. And I, I don't know if uh, you want to. If you want to hear the story, uh, Mike will tell you the story. Um, Mike, uh, remember when I used to play every alert, and mm-hmm. I had you sitting there crazy, and we had five secretaries betting every game for, me, for us. And, and you were about to lose
2: that your was, mind at the end. Of the, and at the end of the day, we'd be 50-50. that was absolutely. So here is the funny part about all that. So back when we were doing that, and it was it was just running a system and, and just. Putting out selections, you know, it's. I feel like that style just wasn't designed enough to be able to hammer accounts with speed because those numbers would be gone. I mean, it was just spitting out market edges. But I don't even. I don't I'll tell you the truth. You know, that thing was not calibrated correctly. It was before its time, and I feel like now it's been sharpened. And you know what's five years later, where. The the output is much more efficient, obviously, you know, from the last couple weeks and and when Micah was in Vegas, when you're dealing with these groups, you know, that the way that the delivery and the output is so much more efficient now because of technology that, you know, how long do we have three to five year run before these books start getting sharper? I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Dave's Dave said maybe seven years. You know, just keep grinding. I mean, there's always going to be an edge, and there's always going to be the newest and latest and greatest way that you could beat sports books because it's been going on for many years. It's a, it's a cat and mouse game. I mean, for so many years, they put out the big number to have a break even point, but there's ways to beat it. Just like, listen, at the end of the day, if you could count cards really well and you go to the casino, it's never illegal. The con cards, the casino could just tell you you're not allowed to play here just because you have an advantage mentally of how to be able to, you know, beat it. So there's ways to beat everything. It's just you have to be smarter in the long run and and be able to take advantage of it. I mean, look at the crypto markets. There was many people along the way that were able to find those altcoins before the crash, you know, in the last six months that were able to become millionaires. I mean, kids that were 10, 12, 13 years old that told their parents, hey, invest your money into this altcoin that I heard about through, you know, the different Reddit channels or on Twitter. And they did. They, they put faith into it, and then they made a quick come up. So, you know, there's in all these different trading platforms. There is ways to beat the market efficiently. I think this football season is going to prove how good we are. I mean, there's a lot of clients that have a lot of backing and they have a lot of support for us as a whole. They understand the business plan. They understand logistically that losing streaks are inevitably going to happen. They understand that if they follow through and they stay disciplined, even through the losing, they will come out on top in the long run. And as much as I say it and as much as I preach it, at the end of the day – it's the same old story with certain clients. I had a client uh, last, two weeks ago, not last week, that basically said, look, I'm putting it on hold until football season. You know, you lost five in a row. I said, so what? He goes, well, you know, I just, you know, the, the start starts going nuts. And this is a week prior. He was the client that called me after the radio show and said, Man, he's like, please don't out me on the radio. I don't want to be that guy. I'm just going to stick to it. And no matter, it's like a week later, completely forgot everything that he said, and he's back to the emotional 0-5. So he goes, I'm taking a break till football. What happened last week? The totals model that I run went 7-0. and 7-0 for the week. He removed himself from the Telegram channel. And then he called me this week. He goes, well, you know, I'm going to change my mind. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you missed – It's like I get so upset because I know in the long run the systems work because I've been doing this for years. And I know that variance happens and there's bad beats and then there's good beats. But if I see that the optimal numbers and I'm getting good readings and getting good price, I know in the long run with the volume we're going to be successful. And it's sad because it's like, you know, he's a big player. You know, uh, an entire week of winning at the amount of – units for that particular model would have definitely put him way in the green from the last the week that he lost and it's you know it's sad because they're just people could never not be emotional even though they tell you one day they're not going to be emotional as soon as the ship turns and it's it's the same thing with trading crypto and trading stocks as soon as the stock is dropping i mean it's going up and people are or go, oh, I got, I got to sell, I got to sell. Instead of like just following their gut from the start. That's why these these long term option traders they don't have a choice. They're making you know long term options. They have to hold it, and uh, so you know it's it goes back and forth. But I, I do believe that the strategy that we have in place for football and the amount of coaching and mentoring that we do, and we do this on. A bigger scale, too. I mean, we teach people how to beat market edges, like Micah said. I mean, we literally have a crash course where we get on a live Zoom call with the client. We go through the process. Then we let the client give us examples of his own account. And we literally coach him through the mistakes that inevitably happen because they're learning something new. And in the long run, that client benefits so much more from that, losing, even if he makes mistakes. Because in the long run, not only will he make back the losses, he's going to make a lot more money for the rest of his life because he understands the foundation behind it. So, you know, me and Micah have been on a lot of Zoom calls this summer, and and some guys that request it have no idea what they're getting themselves into. They think there's a lot of guys, unfortunately, and Micah can attest to this, they think there's a get-rich-quick scenario where they could just Pay a couple dollars, and they could be millionaires overnight and it just it's not it's not that easy in anything in life to do that, so why do you think this should be that easy in sports so you know I, I do believe that the next year we're going to be taking it we're all going to be up in our game and we're going to take it to the next level it's just hopefully the clients that that have not come over and they're still like on the fence about it realize that if they let us coach them and guide them and, and have a long-term approach, I'm telling you it's the easiest way for a, the least painful route to making money in this business. Anybody can give you games. John knows that. How many times do we talk to people on the phone? Well, I talked to a guy last week and he said that, you know, uh, there's a game that's a 50-unit play. I'm like, well, what's 50 units mean to you? He goes hundred. I said, What's in your account? Two hundred? Well how well, how are you gonna be able to do that with a two- Well, I'll just put two hundred in when I get paid next Friday. That's hey, listen, the type you- of people that, that yeah, can't work. Again, win.
1: just to show, and, and, and it goes back to what Micah said. By the way, Micah, I just got gas, <laughs> I'm gonna feature you at your office. Um I just I, here's the bottom line, guys. Like Micah said, if he knew what he knew at twenty instead of forty, he wouldn't be working. And you know one of the things that you have to understand about edge betting, you know, he said a lot of these guys don't want to share their edge because they don't. And a lot of people ask a very valid question, which is, why would Dave even bother? And the answer really is, it doesn't. It doesn't affect his edge. He enjoys seeing people win. He he enjoys. Look, he here's a guy that's you know figured out a way that he can basically edge bet without losing his edge sharing it with, with intelligent people and that's the key word intelligent people they're willing to do the hard work and that's the part that a lot of people just avoid which is the hard work and you know we talk about it mike and i were both family men we got kids i mean it's hard if you're listening and you have two kids three kids four kids and you want to go to softball on a saturday morning or you want to take your kids out to the you know, to the park or rides the bike. This is not, this is hard. This is, you better hire some employees to do the work for you. This is, this is like giving up a very large portion of your life, which is why in the summertime, you know, I'll do what I do and I'll take my vacations and Mike will take his vacations and I'm down here instead of being there. And it's not NFL Sunday because there's a time and a place. And unfortunately, most people are conditioned to work nine to five Monday through Friday and then look forward to the weekends where they're going to sit there and root in the last play of a game that has nothing to do with betting? Because if you're betting for a living, you're betting every game, every game, and it doesn't matter. And you know the truth of the matter, guys, is at one o'clock I walk out of my office, and then I come back at two forty-five for the three o'clock, three thirty games, and then I walk out of my office, and then I come back at because uh, I'm not going to sit there and live bet. Could I make a lot more money live betting? Well, as Mike knows from the robots. You can make a lot of money live betting, but Mike, you've watched these robots in action. How is anybody going to really do that themselves? It's impossible.
2: They can't, and they won't. As simple it's, as that. I mean, even
1: uh, it, yeah, it's it. it. They can't and they won't. I mean, Mike, you see these live plays. You're going to be hitting uh, WNBA at halftime and CFL
3: at halftime yeah. and think you're going to come on, man? And they're doing it across hundreds of accounts at the same time. That they're just. Pulling up the price. Okay, this is a good bet here. Submit and max bet through there the entire all the accounts. Right. Um, hey, hey well, what about before we get off there? I want to hear about your Orioles. So only half game by the wild card. Go
2: well, on there? Go. Up? Let's let's go, baby.
1: So, well, you still have that futures ticket, don't you? I need to get that from you before. Yeah, I but out it was to win the, the East. Hey, Michael, I'll hold it for you. How about you? I'll meet you at the office. You'll give me the ticket. Maybe it'll be good uh-huh. luck if I take it back to Baltimore and i hold it free. I promise I'll give it back to you.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's to win the East, though, not to to make a playoff. I wish i had been smarter oh, and did that. Oh, got it. Yeah. Yeah, to They're make the playoffs,
1: the to, to, to even get in the playoffs, you can't even get a line at most places. They took it off the board like
2: after All-Star break. Uh,
1: you, can take, you can do Now, it what's and, interesting and to me yeah. is they got rid of Lopez and they got rid of um, Mancini. Mancini. And... They're still rocking and rolling. I
2: don't know. It's all about yeah, the farm system. Schedule. The, I know that. The, 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 yeah, Orioles, that's right. the Orioles are in a small market, so they're because of the way that baseball structured, it's very hard for them to compete with these big market teams that have unlimited money. So the only way that their approach and what they've basically tried to do in the last couple of years is take the Houston Astros approach of farming their way through and getting talent through the farm system, which has really panned out. I mean, we have a, a catcher that just came out. His name is Roushman. Guy's an absolute animal. A lot of talent coming up. There's another number one prospect that they're about to bring up from the AAAs. So, I mean, getting rid of Mancini was tough. He was really uh, a really solid player here. And he was a fan favorite. Lopez, I'm not too upset about, even though this year he's lights out as a reliever. Sorry, as a closer. But the guy in the last couple years was a starter and was a dud. So, yeah, he found his new role. I think it's a a great opportunity for him. But we had, at least we got something for him now. Then at the end of the year, if we roll the dice, and, yeah, we have him through the end of the year, and then we lose him for nothing because somebody's going to sign him to big money. So, they have the right approach. I still am not a huge fan of the ownership. The ownership has absolutely been horrific for a decade now. They just feel like they don't care about the team and they let everybody walk. But for now, they're playing with heart, man, and that's that's part of the battle. If you have that and you believe that you could beat anybody any night, I mean that is a huge surplus. We had a lot of young guys that are they're just quick, they're fast. They have strong bats. I mean, the pitching has been solid. Listen, the team just believes right now. So I'm hoping for a nice run. We're, we're very, you know, we're a game out, I think, after last night of, of the postseason. And for all I know, it, it's, it could easily be four teams from the ALEs to get into the postseason this year. So good. You're definitely right. Yeah, I mean, you maybe, know, we can, any- we, maybe we could maybe we could bring Micah, Micah Smith. Maybe we could get him into uh, into the Orioles lineup. Maybe we can get the Orioles to find <laughs> Micah Smith yeah. to get him back out there. i Have had my day, i have had my day.
3: <laughs> I, I wish I could go back in time. That'd be a great. Well, what about the fact that the Dodgers keep
1: winning? And and you know, you told me on the last video you think Houston's rocking or on Houston's. Uh, Five and five in their last ten. The Dodgers are nine and one. But from a betting point of view, like I said,
3: they're useless. It's tough. Like the late three hundred, they're almost they're almost late three hundred every single night now. Both teams Houston and the Dodgers.
1: Right. I mean, it's ridiculous. That's- and like
3: I like I tell people that.
1: I mean, even if they win, I'm sure I'm sure books are getting killed with the parlays, where they're just playing them in parlays, trying to sure. you know sucker yep. it up or lay the one-and-a-half. How many people do you know that do that, just take those heavy, stupid favorites and parlay them? I mean, that's definitely not a square thing to do. I mean, that's not a sharp thing to do, I mean.
3: Uh, that's definitely 90% of your smaller bankroll players do that. That right. They're just trying to hit a, hit a big lick or in one shot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you have the in-game parlays now. With like FanDuel and DraftKings, they offer you that stuff, the parlay stuff. So, yeah. It's very common, man. It's like I told you when I was in uh, in Vegas, I was with one of the, and my buddy wanted to bet 10 dimes on the Orioles last Saturday, right?
1: Right. They and won the one nothing like, well,
3: Yeah. Well, the, the group was, the guys, one of the guys from the group was like, well, what, well, what price is, it? Why is he Why is he betting it at, it was at uh, BetMGM. Why is he betting at MGM? That's just a bad price. And they did not understand why someone would bet a team just to bet it no matter the price. They did not understand that. And I was trying to explain to them, 99% of sports bettors are not like you. They still didn't really understand it. They thought everybody should be sharp. 99% of sports bettors are not sharp. They just want to bet a team no matter the price. So that was, that's what the mentorship will train people on the price is more important than the team you're betting if that makes sense what i'm saying 100 so. percent
1: you know and a lot of the things like i said that we we talk about you know everybody makes fun of me with the dogs the dogs win 40 percent of the time but you know like i said i'd rather be a dog better with no system because i'm sure the people that you met in vegas would think i'm absolutely nuts the way i bet baseball because I'm i'm only looking at dogs and i'm avoiding favorites and they wouldn't do that either. They're looking for good prices, whether it's the dog
3: side or the favorite side, correct? That's right. It doesn't matter to us, yeah. So they want the best price. They have. They want to bet their number. They believe it, that their number is sharper than the book. And from seeing the results, no matter wins or losses, if they're betting it, uh, let's just take Orioles minus 110. If they were, I mean, every single time, it's going to close minus 130,
2: 125,
3: 130 every time. So you know that these guys are very, very sharp. Um, and now I'm telling you, it's hundreds and thousands of bets, too. It's all the same.
1: Right. And, and that's the thing. Like I said, the hardest thing, I think, in the mentorship program, and, again, you've had some people take the mentorship program that are rocking and rolling, you've had some people that can't handle the volume, is that volume doesn't really matter. I mean, it shouldn't really matter, right? I mean, it should just – it shouldn't matter. It's, it's, once you understand cares. that
3: game and uh, once you understand, oh, okay, th- this this team has a 5% edge, has a 6- 10% edge, then once you are, have done it long enough, now you're getting limited and now you're thinking, well, how can I bet this bet that's 10% and now my count's limited? Uh, how do I get to betting? That's the struggle when you understand how to beat the, the market is where you, how can you get down? Well, where can you bet next? Of constantly getting limited, what, what, I uh, do I text my brother in Tennessee? You know what I'm saying to, to help get down. Um, so that, that's the struggle when you edge bet. You're, you're, it's going to flip on you because you have an edge. Going to straight flip. And now you're going to have the problem with limitations because they don't want you betting if you have an edge. So if you're out there been betting months and months and months, so let
1: and you're me not ask you
3: limited, there's a problem there.
1: We only got a few minutes left. Let me ask you: If they don't, what would you say to the square that says, "Well, if 99% of all people lose, why do they care about the one percent that wins? Why, why would they? Why would they even care?" I mean, it
3: takes away from their bottom line. Uh, a place like uh, uh, Pinnacle and, and Chris or Circa uh, and, and Vegas and Colorado—they're not going to limit. They're, they're not going to limit anybody. They want the sharp guys to set their number if they're releasing a the team on Sunday night for college football the next day, minus seven, the sharp guys bet it up to 10. They want that because the public's still going to bet 10 no matter what. Um, so they want the sharp. People like DraftKings and BetMGM and Barstool and, and all the, them guys, they they don't want sharp guys. They that It takes away from their bottom number. They only want losers. Dave Portnoy said it first. We don't want – He's at the Barstool, one of the Barstool owners. He't they don't want sharp card counters at betting at their casino at their sports book because that's taken away from their bottom number. So that's kind of how I mean you, you can tell not most sports books when you go on there and they don't give you a max bet. what's the max bet? They don't tell you the sharp books will tell you what the max bet is before you bet it. But those type books do not. Uh, FanDuel is the only one that I know that will. But most books will not tell you because they don't. Everybody has a different limit. If you're losing better, your limit steadily increases. If you have lost tens and thousands of dollars, you're going to have a higher limit than David Miller. David Miller's going to have a one dollar limit. That, his limit's going to go from the other guys going go from five k to a hundred k limit. Right. So if
1: you're a client and you call up our office and you're bragging to Mike or myself
3: how much money you can
1: bet no limit in your state, that basically means that you need our help. <laughs>
3: Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the truth, man. It's The God honest truth. Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Right. Because they, they, because then they don't know that they're never going to get the money back they lost as easy. Because the second they start winning and become a sharp, they don't get the opportunity to win back all that money that got them that big limit to begin with.
3: No, they wouldn't. They will. I mean, their account will last longer if they flip. If they're they've lost hundreds of thousands, they they've become smart and sharp and are doing the edge betting through the mentorship. Their account will last longer. They will be able to win some of that money back for sure. But okay, good. It'll eventually you'll eventually get cut off, and then there you go asking your brother, "Okay, hey, can I use your account?" Stuff like that. Brother, mother, sister, everybody. Exactly. So yeah, like I said, yep. guys. You know, the music's
1: gonna start soon. It's it's been an hour of uh, being global, not local. Running all about the south. We got Mike up in Baltimore. We'll be back next week, and we'll again with Dave Miller. Big Mike and Micah Smith. Listen live or archived at sportsinsiderradio.com.
0: See you guys. JohnSyndicate.com. Call 1-888-201-4201. and don't stall, make the call. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's one 1-